Hello, everyone. It's Mick Collagio with Rink Wrap the Podcast. Uh, coming to you from the Standard Times in New Bedford, Mass., where I write about hockey for the daily and also work editorial side for the weeklies and do some writing there as well. Got to cover a nice high school football game at Fairhaven on Thanksgiving Day morning. A uh, really good game. Uh, the Blue Devils, with only 22 players, gave the Dartmouth Indians all they could handle. Uh, Dartmouth won it 14 nothing and finished off a uh, winning campaign, which was nice for the playoff team in Fairhaven. Uh, you know, there is a, such a thing as a moral victory. That team was amazing what they accomplished this year with so few bodies. Credit to uh, Coach Rudy Bulger and his staff and the gutsy performances of those kids. So congratulations to them, and um, the Middleborough Sachems will be in the uh, Super Bowl uh, Division 6, the 9 a.m. game at Gillette on Saturday morning, December 2. Looking forward to that with my colleague John Hagloff. Meantime, uh, Rink Wrap the Podcast. It can be found on Omni, uh, O-M-N-Y-F-M, Google Play, iTunes, and it also gets a link on southcoasttoday.com when uh, I write about the Bruins. Um, so if you uh, find one of the links to my uh, Bruins uh, columns on Twitter, you can follow me there at Mick Collagio, C-O-L-A-G-E-O. And um, uh, that's those are different ways to get at it. I also blog about the Bruins, especially uh, during games, at blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. Uh, this is Rink Wrap Podcast, Episode 8, and it's just me flying solo today, but I want to get into this quickly about this New Bedford high school hockey thing. Uh, it's tough when you have uh, one of these big three uh, towns with a large high school enrollment. Um, you know, it's uh, been estimated to be around 3,000. I don't know what it is this year. Uh, John Sullivan, the former coach, uh, he really used to have to keep this thing going. Um, you go back about 10 years to uh, Andrew Medeiros being the captain and uh, setting records as a goal scorer and a, and a point maker there. Um, and, and the team, you know, wound up uh, reeling off 15 victories, I think it was, and uh, made, the, made the tournament, and it was nice to see. Unfortunately, uh, numbers have dwindled since then. Uh, Coach uh, Sullivan used to joke with me and say, you know, if – Imagine if all the kids who played hockey growing up in New Bedford actually went to high school here. We would have a heck of a hockey team. And, and that was true for several years uh, in, in, the la in the last decade. Uh, I don't know how true it would be right now, uh, but uh, since the reorganization of Hetland Youth Hockey into the South Coast Panthers, it seemed as though uh, that ship was righted and there were better numbers there, and we also saw the emergence of, of girls' uh, programs in different age groups, and now we have uh, some uh, co-op teams uh, with area girls participating in high school hockey of the, you know, with each other rather than having to play in a boys' team, which is, which is nice. I think the last uh, girl I remember who had to play in a boys' team um, uh, wound up uh, uh, transferring to Tabor Academy and uh, Hallie, Hallie Silva uh, from Akushnet, she wound up uh, playing as a freshman uh, on the New Bedford High School hockey team, uh, and and she really matured into a strong two-way center at Tabor Academy, playing on the girls' team there, and wound up uh, playing hockey at Northeastern University. Uh, nowadays, 
it's it's a tough go trying to just get enough kids together to play and 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 uh it, which is an amazing when you think of the pool of students but uh tennis went through this boys tennis that is uh almost 10 years ago when coach bob ryan had to scale back the program to just be a, a junior varsity uh part-time schedule with a lot of teaching involved and that's how boys tennis uh went uh i don't know if it was just one year they did that or two but it came back pretty strong and it became a good uh, participation sport and uh and i noticed a lot of camaraderie around the the guys who uh uh, used to go with the captain uh, Damien over to the Hunter Street courts and and they'd play until it got dark and it was really great to see kids being passionate about something and and sticking together about it and and uh and and, and so tennis uh made it over its pothole. Uh, I don't know what'll happen with hockey because with hockey you're talking about uh a really expensive animal and um uh that seems to be the biggest problem and the efforts that have been done uh, have been made, including the Boston Bruins and the program that that uh, I think it's uh, like something like 500 uh, kids in the state each year get outfitted uh, for like uh, all the parents put up a hundred bucks and the kids wind up getting to go to pure hockey and or, or monkey sports maybe it was and going uh, and getting outfitted including skates uh, for a starter kit so. And and obviously, uh, learn to skate and learn the hockey, uh, play hockey programs have done really well. Uh, Wareham certainly revived uh, its hockey situation this way. Um, it's 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 a tough tough road, and and let's face it, uh, a lot of urban families have been completely priced out of the sport of hockey, which is uh, a crying shame. Um, and the manufacturers have not helped us. Um, a pair of uh, Proline tax I noticed uh, was on sale earlier this year for nine hundred dollars. Um, you know that's that's the theater of the absurd. Even for a guy like myself, who may well have one pair of skates left to buy in his life, and is really thinking about that pair of tax and and hasn't done it because of, of sticker shock. So so if it's like that for a guy like myself who's had hockey in his in his life forever. Uh, what's it like for parents who have other options of what to do with their kids that uh, cost far less and maybe are more central to to their uh, common uh, culture of all the kids? Uh, not everybody grows up with, with hockey as a thing, uh, even though we're in New England and it was a pastime for many of us growing up. So so that's a, that's an issue. It's become a rich kid's sport, and that's a shame. It shouldn't be. And... Um, New Bedford High is without hockey this season. Uh, what will happen in the future, we don't know. Um, but everybody in the game uh, cares a lot. Coach Rossi cares a lot. Coach Sullivan used to scrounge up uh, equipment and recruit uh, students to try it so that he could have enough to field a team. And then he'd be so proudly would call the sports desk at the Daily when that kid was a senior near the end of the season and tell us with, with joy in his voice that that kid scored his first varsity goal and uh, that the team won, won their game. Uh, you know, th- this, this is not uh, obviously uh, the way to build, but, it's a, but, but he found a way to keep the experience in kids' lives, uh, that give them something that could be part of their life for a long time if they want. And, and, and that was a great thing. Unfortunately, 
this has gone uh, south in terms of numbers, and and uh, and it's irreparable at this point. Uh, can it be fixed in the long run? Uh, unless uh, hockey families send their kids to New Bedford High School, uh, and that's a tough one because if they got a kid who really likes to play and he's pretty good, then then it's very difficult to to say, well, why don't you go play in this team that barely exists and you can play all night long? Or can you be part of a team that's bigger than yourself and the team that's going to play for something? Um, that's a tough one. It really is. And so it's a quandary that right now has no solution. And uh, the people on all sides of it uh, care about the kids who love the game and they, you know who, who can't play because there's not enough to field the team. And... Um, you know, it's it's a difficult one. Wouldn't it be great, uh, you know, uh, to if I won the lottery twice, then I could just finance the program um, after I dealt with the uh, with the real problems going on in the world. Uh, moving on, uh, the Boston Bruins. Uh, ever since uh, Anton Hudobin, the backup goaltender. Uh, went into action when the team was a bit desperate for points and they just weren't quite showing enough in any one category to win some of their games. Uh, they were one up, one down, one up, one down. They hadn't won two in a row all season long until Anton Hudobin won uh, th- uh, three in a row. Was it four in a row? I can't remember anymore. Tukarask won last night. He defeated the uh, – who is it that they beat? The Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning. 17 wins. Tampa Bay Lightning could very well win the Stanley Cup this season. And granted, they were playing the back, uh, second half of a uh, consecutive night situation, a back-to-back. They had one in Buffalo, 2 nothing the night before. So they come into Boston. They had no legs in the first period. The Bruins came out with great energy, and they reeled out to a 3 nothing lead. Tampa fought back. They made a push. They made it interesting. It got the three to two. The Bruins held on. Rask made a couple of timely saves, and, uh, and that I'm sure did something for for the team's confidence, for his confidence. And uh, like uh, Coach Bruce Cassidy said all along, they need to have both goalies playing well in order to get where they want to go. So, enough about that. A far greater intrigue to rink wrap the podcast is David Krejci's upper body injury, which has once again reared its ugly head and knocked him out of the lineup the same night that David Backus, Brad Marchand, and Ryan Spooner came back into the lineup. Here's why I think it's a much bigger deal than what's going on with Tuka Rask. Uh, first off, Tuka Rask has not been a bad goalie. He just hasn't been good enough to get the Bruins wins that they weren't good enough to get with on a completely neutral basis. When you're paid $7 million a year, you're a franchise goaltender, you're expected to year in and year out be one of the top half dozen goalies in the, in the world, uh, it's generally expected that you're going to give them some of that stuff that they don't quite have, especially early in the season when it's so important with such a young roster to uh, gain confidence the way Dominic Koshik gave it to the Buffalo Sabres in the 96-97 season when nobody expected a thing out of that team. They wound up winning the division. Uh, That's one of the reasons why John Muckler, then GM of the Sabres, did not cash in on Koshik 
and say, why don't I get a couple of first round picks, a young player and, and build my team? Because a lot of times your team isn't going anywhere if you don't have linchpins in certain situations. Now, last year, Tukarask was the Bruins' Dominic Hasek. The season began with Brandon Carlo, a teenager, playing alongside Zdeno Chera on the top defensive pairing. Meantime, Tory Krug uh, and Adam McQuaid, who had had a, a rough year the year before uh, as a defense pairing, came back together and were now like the second pairing. And what wound up happening is, is Rask was so good early in the season that everybody was able to relax and get better, and the Boston Bruins wound up uh, in a situation where they were a better hockey team for it. Now, granted, there was other storylines involved. The team was in a slump later in the year. They fired Coach Claude Julian. They replaced him with Bruce Cassidy. The team went on quite a run, and they made the playoffs, and they gave Ottawa six difficult hockey games. And as we know, the Ottawa Senators then gave – uh, beat the Rangers in the same amount of uh, games they beat the Bruins and then almost beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, who went on to uh, repeat as Stanley Cup champions. So if you want to do that kind of algebra, you can say the Bruins aren't that far off. Uh, I never would like to go there. It's not realistic to predicate any personnel decisions or an outlook on a hockey team based on uh, this happened and that happened and that happened. And so we can now say that this is where we are. That's just uh, that's not realistic. What's realistic is the body of work overall. And what we know about the Bruins right now is that given the amount of injuries, time out for water. Given the amazing amount of injuries they've had to key players throughout this season, <coughs> excuse me, they wound up in a situation here where they haven't fallen out of the race. They've been a pretty tough out for a lot of hockey teams. In fact, other than the Edmonton game, uh, it's really difficult in the last month to say there's a stinker. There's one where they really stunk up the joint. It just hasn't happened. Uh, where their limitations are real. They have an awful lot of young players, and on the forward lines, uh, lack of experience usually means that it's difficult to come back every night and do the grinding and the board work and the shot blocking and the puck winning and the battles and uh, getting to the dirty areas in front and all of that cliche stuff that makes the difference between 30-year-old players and uh, 20-year-old players uh, on average. Uh, on defense, uh, this team has been pretty solid. And before Anton Hudobin reeled off those victories, the Bruins were playing hard. About a half a dozen games there. They just weren't getting results, but they were playing real hard. They'd win one, they'd lose one, they'd win one, they'd lose one. Well, now they've made a little bit of uh, progress here. And uh, last night's win uh, over Tampa was really kind of big in the scope of the season because you didn't want to go the wrong way after you had made some progress and have it negated. That would be like my diet. So what the Bruins need to do here is continue to push and continue to try to get healthy. And maybe for the first time at some point this season, they'll have their actual intended lineup. We haven't seen it yet. The reason David Krejci is such a big deal is because if you look at any hockey team that's gone to the top, with very few exceptions, the model is usually two centermen who could be the number one center on most teams in the NHL. 
most playoff teams in the NHL. And they had two guys like this. Both years that the Bruins went to the Stanley Cup Finals, David Krejci led the league in playoff points. Not just the Bruins. Patrice Bergeron, anybody who pays attention to the Bruins knows that he is a model hockey player. Now, when you have these two guys, you have a spinal cord. You have strength down the middle. What happens around that uh, can make a difference, but they're relatively footnotes to what happens down the middle of the rink. Harry Sinden always built the Bruins on the strength of what goes down the middle of the rink. you got a dominant defenseman. You make sure your goaltending is strong. Uh, you, you make sure you get the centerman that you need in order. To, and then if you don't quite have enough scoring on the wings, if that's how you're going to lose, then that's how you're going to lose. But don't lose because you have a gaping hole in the middle of your team so that you don't have stability where you need it. With David Krejci playing, anchoring one of those top two lines, the Bruins are a completely different hockey team. And that's just the way it is when he's out there, especially now when you consider how much better he makes guys like Jake DeBrusque. Guys like that are Anders Bjork or even David Pasternak, who became a star last year. And this year, uh, while he's always a threat to score anytime he's on the ice, his overall play, he's gone through a lot of uh, uh, jig-jag stuff that just is... I digress right now, but Pasternak's game is not all that it could be. Uh, Krejci could help that a lot. So when he and Bergeron are both in the lineup and when they're surrounded by just sturdy NHLers, the Bruins become a different category team. Not a cup contender because nobody wins it with a defense as young as like Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo playing prominent roles. It's too soon to think like that. It's just not realistic. Just go right down the line and look up the rosters. Look up how many years of experience they have. And and you find very rarely do you find a guy anywhere near as young and as inexperienced NHL-wise as those two guys. And there's only one of them in that group. And the rest of the group is really seasoned. And that's just not the case with the Bruins. Uh, But as a team, on its way forward, the Bruins do loom as an excellent take. So that's all I got for Rink Wrap today. And uh, be sure to uh, read the blog, blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. Follow me on Twitter. I got lots of opinions. At Mick Collagio. C-O-L-A-G-E-O, and it's M-I-C-K. And uh, and I will be back with more episodes of Rink Wrap the Podcast, which you can find on omny.fm, Omni, Google Play, iTunes. They'll link to it when there's a hockey article on southcoasttoday.com. Uh, you can find us there as well. Uh, more Rink Wrap the Podcast coming your way in the future. I hope you find a frozen pond soon. And you get out your skates and enjoy it. Happy hockey, everyone.